Tapping into a community is one way to level up your content. Jimmy Daly, founder of Superpath and former VP of growth at Animals, knows this firsthand with one of the largest community of content marketers. He taps into community members to help fuel Superpath's content. I'm part of that community, just love it. Today, he shares his community-led content strategy. In this Marketing Power-Ups episode, you learn, first of all, why community is a content marketing power-ups. Second, how to create user-generated content with community members. Third, how to build a community from scratch. And number four, a career power-up that's helped accelerate Jimmy's career. By the way, I've created a free power-ups cheat sheet to help you apply Jimmy's community-led content strategy to your business. You can get it for free at marketingpowerups.com or find that link in the show notes and description below. Are you ready? Let's go. Marketing Power-Ups. Ready? Go! Here's your host, Ramley John. You mentioned that community is your marketing power-up that you want to talk about. Your founder and CEO, one of the big, biggest online communities for content marketers. Would you say that? Superpath? I, I would... I don't know if any Probably. other Probably. Yeah. 15,000. Yeah. There's a lot of folks year. in there. Yeah. There's a lot of folks in there. I think it depends how you define community. You know, like to me, community in a business, in a business sense is like, there is a tool that facilitates conversations and we have 15,000 people who have accounts. You know what I mean? I think some people use the term a little bit more loosely. You know, like I, I have heard folks describe a newsletter as a community. I don't know that I would I mean, there's there's elements of it for sure, for sure. But I feel like without peer-to-peer conversation, it doesn't like really check the box for me. So I think, I don't know, maybe there's a larger one, but if there is, I'm, I'm not aware of it. Although there's a bunch of challenges with it being large too. Maybe we can talk about that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think we we faced the same when I was working at Product-led with Wes Bush. We reached like 10,000 and there's definitely challenges there. I mean, we'll get into that, but I love... We've already started chatting about like why you see community as a power up to specifically content. Uh, and you share some examples. I'm curious what those are and how community can potentially power up uh, content and everything else around marketing. Yeah, for sure. I think that, gosh, there's so, there's a lot here. There's so much. <laughs> yeah. There's, I mean, I can talk about it in the way that, that we think of the mm. community to content connection. I think it could look a little bit different for other businesses, but um, a community is an incredibly rich source of very honest conversation between peers. Um, and if you can't find content ideas in that, you're never going to find them. You know, like you, you, we have published a lot of content over the last couple of years. All of it is rooted in things that we have discovered in the community. So we basically don't ever do keyword research. There's kind of no need to because the, we have 15,000 of our kind of target personas telling us sort of indirectly what they want to learn about. And I feel that's just like the best possible source of ideation for us. Another thing is that the, the conversations people have, you know, kind of depending on how you look at it, it's essentially user-generated content. It's, there's a balance to be had there because these people are not having conversations to provide you with content. That's not the purpose of it. But there are times when we'll get permission from someone and turn a question or, or a post that they uh, uh, put up in response to a question and turn that into content. We do that actually quite a bit. And then we've also tried to facilitate the creation of user-generated content by giving people simple ways to give back to the community. 
I think our most popular version of that is a thing we came up with called the 100K Club. And the, the idea is that you could, so like once you hit six figures as a content marketer, you can contribute some knowledge about your own career journey back to the rest of the community. And we do it in an anonymous way. So if you don't want your name attached to it, that's okay. Um, and basically we ask everybody, it's kind of like there's a series that I was inspired by called, um, it's called My Morning Routine. And it's basically like a bunch of people answering the same couple of questions and you learn about their morning routine. We do that with career milestones. So we'll ask everyone the same questions. We make a chart that plots out their salary from the time they started in content marketing till the time they hit six figures. And then uh, we share those back to the community. And it's really cool because sometimes you see people, I mean, the, really the thing that people, the, the reason that readers love it is because there's uh, information in there that you can't get anywhere mm, else. So it might true. be like, oh, like, a, you know, v- we got one recently, it was like VP of content making 240K. Dang. And <laughs> a lot of people were interested in that one, you yeah. know? Yeah. Uh, but there's sometimes you get one that's like freelance writer making 120K or 160K. And to like learn about how that person got to this point in their career is really interesting. And so, but there's something important there, which is we try to create this very safe environment for people to share that information. That's, that's a, like kind of a golden rule of community is that if it's not a safe, supportive environment where people will never be exploited or poked fun at or trolled or whatever, that it becomes quite a bit more valuable to them. And that is true for the content too. Like if you're going to ask people to contribute content in any way, um, it has to be done in a way that they feel super comfortable with. In this case, anonymity is what enables that. For other types of content, maybe that's different. But um, that's one thing I've learned is that you have to, people are so willing to give back, um, but you have to create a framework for them to do it within and then make it very comfortable. I love, I remember seeing the 100K like a uh, content series, it's like this is genius because it shows. I mean, uh, inherent to it is this a, a before and after snapshot where yeah. you see that journey and people who are reading it are like, "How do I get to that two hundred forty thousand BP of content?" And like, kind of reverse engineer the journey, the career journey this person has. They might not have something similar, but maybe they can take away something like that. And that's why it's such a g- good, like, actionable aspirational, inspirational, all wrapped up into one piece of content is yeah. exactly, you're probably finding that uh, feedback from other folks who are part of Definitely. The Definitely. You know, part of this for content marketers specifically is that the career path is not set in stone. Right. Um, something I have noticed, this is, I'm, I'm generalizing, but a lot of content marketers are young. Mm. You know, the people who create content Primarily, and again, I'm generalizing, but primarily are fairly young. And I think a lot of them become disenchanted with the career path when they start seeing what their options look like yeah. to grow within this industry. And then they start thinking about like, well, product marketers make more money than content. It seems like there's more upward mobility or, you know, um, maybe freelancing is better for me if I want to continue honing the craft of writing versus being kind of pushed into a management role that I don't really want, you know, or they start thinking about social or start thinking about email marketing, you know, kind of some related field. Um, part of the reason we wanted to do this is just to give people some clarity, you know, um, not every career path is the same, but if you look at a VP of content and you can see all the roles they've had and the salary they made at each one, it just kind of like uh, shines some light on a potential path that you could also pursue as well. That totally, I totally see that, you know, like, yeah, I love how you put it, that it's giving uh, potential options to, to the person where yeah. you're, you might be peeking into 
Uh, you mentioned like a morning routine, but another one I, 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 I love binging YouTube series. One I've been binging is like a day in a life of blank, like a day in a life of a neurosurgeon or a day in a life of a nurse. That's or so day, like yeah. I, I would never want to be a surgeon. <laughs> but it's a day, a day in the life of a police officer. But it's interesting to see that path and you're peeking into the potential and possibilities through this and you're totally. talking about exploring here. It's yeah. It's cool. We've tried to replicate this and with some success, you know, but we, I think we really hit on something with the hundred K club because yeah. the, it's the number, like people want it's to know number. salaries. You yeah. can't find out. And so, but there are other, some other things we've done. Like we've tried to create other kind of like formulaic style content where you yeah. can ask the same questions, but get different output each time. So like another one we did, we've done a few of these is like my first 90 days on the oh, job. So it's like, that's cool. Someone has a, to get the new yeah. job and then three months later, we say, okay, answer these questions to explain, like, what did you do in the first 90 days? How did you get acquainted yeah. with the product? Um, what was the first, you know, what did the strategy look like? Or whatever, you, you can kind of imagine. And so I think that we'll probably do more of these things, but it, it does require some testing to figure out, mm. like, what gets people excited enough to contribute? And then also, like, what, you know, what do people really want to read about? I think the other thing that's interesting about that, that you mentioned the 100K itself. I'm, I'm also generalizing here, but I feel like a lot of content folks especially early on are not paid very well because they're yeah. like you know they're writers he's like oh this is pay them like i don't know per article or per word or you know below 50k and that 100k number itself is something i would say maybe a lot of people aspire to uh, especially not like not in silicon valley where like if you're not making 100k you're probably not eating well <laughs> you know, totally. But but everywhere else, like hundred k is like that. I, like here's my goal: get over hundred k in my career. Totally. So, you know, it's it's interesting you say that because um, you're so right. Like in other fields, that like hundred k is like you're you're just graduated college. You're gonna make more right. than that. You know, and uh, I think one of the things I I hope to do with Superpath is legitimize the field of content marketing mm -hmm. more so than it already is. I mean, I feel like it went from like a couple people blogging to like. Now, basically every SaaS company has a content team. So that's like, I mean, that is legitimization for sure. But um, I feel like we need a uh, essentially a, a professional organization to advocate for people. And that's part of what I, I want mm. Superpath to be doing more of. Developers have this. Uh, designers have this. And so it's easy for me to like look around and see like what resources does your average software engineer have access to that a content marketer doesn't. Or same with a designer or product marketer, or, you know, people ops or any number of other fields that most SaaS companies would employ. Um, and uh, a lot of it is like you have to give people the platform to to speak and to share stuff mm. so that you can, you know, you can kind of like create some order from from the chaos. I think the other thing about the legitimate piece is around salary discussion. I feel like, you know, when you by you opening this up and I, I think you did a report once with like salary baselines and I actually use it to like We've negotiate. Done a couple of years, yeah. Yeah, I used use it to negotiate my salary. It's like, oh okay, I'm gonna this is what I'm aiming for based on this. Because uh this is actually my first official content like content role in my in my under my name at AppQs because I've been a director of training. Uh I've done like, you know, growth marketer, but like it was very, very helpful and I feel like that 100k club plus that reports that you're doing, you're you're enabling content marketers to give them like the 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 data points to essentially ask for more, like you know ask for like don't sell yourself short 
essentially, uh, because is potentially what other people are, are are making. Is that is that for sure? Is that a fair thing to say? Definitely. No, I think that's right on because you're you're so right that most people come into the content marketing world not making very much money, and I they may be frustrated when they see like, well, if I make fifty k and I get a ten percent raise every year, what? you know, like this is not the path I want to be on. But then if you could find that like, well. Like, so we, we do a salary survey. We've done it four years in a row. We publish it every January. Um, the average salary that we found this year was 95K. Like, that's mm. pretty good, you yeah. know, but there's outliers on both ends. Yeah. You know, there's some people making more than 300K. There's other people making, you know, 30K, but you can get a sense of all that. And then we also break it down by the years of experience, by job title, and a few other things. And again, it's just like gives people some understanding of like, um, what if, if I, kind of pursue this uh, for three to five years, I'll sort of put myself in this category and those people are making 120K or mm. something like that, you know? And so just transparency, you know what I mean? It's hard to find. Salary data is just hard to find anyways. And like everything yeah. I've seen on Glassdoor and Indeed, I just, yeah. I don't feel like lines up with what I know people make right. um, just in talking to a lot of content marketers. So yeah, we try, we try to give people a lot of data. And I've actually had companies email me and I've gotten like hate mail <laughs> from people hiring content marketers being like, I hate your salary survey because that everybody so wants a raise now. That's so funny. You actually got like hate mail. I, I would, I would like uh, frame that as badge of honor. <laughs> Just be totally. like, you know, I'm creating something useful enough that the people who are giving out salaries like hate my guts because I'm actually helping out your your people, your content uh, marketers who are actually being able to, uh, you know, ask for more because of, of this. For sure. Yeah. I mean, in, in some cases, we, there is tension there because, you know, Superpath is the content marketers advocate. That's what I want. Mm. It, we advocate yeah. for the individuals, but we make money from the businesses. Mm. And so there, that's, that creates some tension from time to time. So like in that case, it was like a customer of ours, you know, like oh, they no. paying us money to help oh, them shoot, do some okay. stuff. And, you, but, but I was like, Hey, look, I, I'm going to stay true to, yeah, like with that, because the whole business runs off of a community. That's the, that's the mm. foundation of it. And if, if that is not treated with respect and taken very seriously, then everything else falls apart. That's built on top of it. So mm we're going to keep doing it. You know what I mean? Like if you don't pay market rates, then, you know, yeah, that you're going to have to figure that out. I love how, so you're talking about this power for community. It's all like creating user generated content. I mean, you, you, I mean, other places you've talked about it also helping around distribution, how it can help you, you know, you've created this hundred K content series or, you know, other pieces of content and you don't, you already got this community you built it for and they're probably, they risk the situation of them not resonating with it. So they're, they're more likely to share it with folks. Would you say that? I probably. I think the community has been um, less effective at distribution than I thought, actually. Mm. Interesting. I think when I think of like 15,000 people in a Slack group, I think of, you know, what as a marketer, a content marketer, one of the things I think is, oh, I bet we could get a lot of traffic on the site from those folks. That's not really true. What? You know, we get, yeah. I think it's the medium, you know, like, we, yeah. we send a newsletter to the same group of people. I think it's partially an issue of the medium, right? Like people don't join a Slack group to get content and click mm. on stuff. They, they join to talk to people and learn things. Yeah. Through conversation, right? Like you can learn from a blog post, but it's not really what they're there for. Whereas like 
in the newsletter, like we send the newsletter to the same group of people, essentially. And if you put a blog post in there, a lot of people click it. Yeah. So I found that to be interesting. I just expected that like when I looked in Google Analytics, the, you know, the community would be a driver of quite a bit more traffic than it is. But the, but the more valuable thing is, is not the data, it's the feedback you can get from people, mm, you know? Right. You, you learn a lot. You, even yeah. if it's, um, if we publish something and we just explicitly ask, ask for feedback, like I'll get a couple people saying, here's what I thought and here's how you might do it differently next time. And that is, that's gold. That's, that's super yeah. valuable. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that you can make the content better and like you can figure out what the next steps are. I think that's the user generated and the feedback is like really the value of a community to the content is, is exactly what I'm hearing here. Totally. And also, I mean, I'm talking, I'm talking a lot about user generated content, which is sort of just one way to go about this, but um, publishing user generated content is the best way to publish more user generated content. Like every time we publish hundred K club, another yeah. person or two reaches out and says, I want to contribute as well, yeah, you know? Which yeah. is which is great, and that kind of keeps that pipeline full. You mentioned something earlier that kind of ties here, where I I feel like community also helps create that that space. You mentioned a space for people to share uh, that uh, you know hundred k journey versus like if you didn't have community, sure you might be able to get a few folks to share it, but there isn't that relationship already for them to trust maybe you or Superpath enough to say hey. Here's here's how much I made at this point uh, versus now you have this community who is like, yeah, I'd love to share. And they're actually raising up their hands and they want to share yeah. their journey next versus if you didn't have a community. Totally. Yeah. No, that's totally true. Like you have to, oftentimes when we test stuff like this, because I mentioned like user generated content in particular, like some of it doesn't work. We've tried things that just don't work at all and they never caught on. Like I tried this one thing for a while called like a, I forget what it was called. It was called like, it was called the five minute webinar. Five and, minute webinar. <laughs> yeah. And the thing I wanted people to do was like record a loom video for five minutes and explain yeah. something, explain something cool you've learned about content marketing. It just like didn't catch on at all. Oh. I, I thought it'd be really cool, but it didn't work at all. So like with one like this, we have to seed it with a couple hundred K clubs before anybody sort of like you, sort of like you said, like trust it enough to then want to contribute themselves. So like there's, there's a group of power users in the Slack community that I rely on quite a bit for stuff like this. You know, like, uh, yeah, I, and I'll say like, hey, we're going to try something new. Like, are you up for it? I'll send you a hoodie. <laughs> or you know what I mean? Like, I'll send you a super path t-shirt. Like, or uh, for, uh, we've, we've given away a lot of um, like audio book credits and like just little things that we try to do for people to, just to thank them, you know, because small business, like I'd love to like pay everybody like great rates for contributions like this, but like reality is we just can't. Yeah. So I try to show appreciation as much as I can in other ways. You mentioned you've tried out stuff that hasn't really worked. You meant, um, what are some, I guess, like lessons if you could restart? One of the things you mentioned earlier before is like how it should, the community should be run, like connecting it to who the community is for. Is there something around that that, you know, you wish mm -hmm. you knew earlier when you were starting out the Superpath community versus now? Yeah, that's interesting. I feel like you're really actually tapping into something quite timely. Um, the Black community has grown far larger than I ever thought it would, but it it's grown in a way that I didn't expect it to grow either. And what I mean by that is that we built this community for in-house B2B <clears throat> SaaS content marketers. And there's a lot of those folks in there, um, but it's also attracted a ton of freelancers. And this 
like I started to notice this trend and I was like, okay, cool. Like we have a channel for freelancers. Like people post freelance gigs. The freelancers want the gigs. I kind of get it. So like we've catered to that a little bit, but like I can't fully service both of those personas. And so um, anyway, this sort of like put us at a little bit of a crossroads in a sense of like, we have 15,000 people in this free Slack community. Um, we get we get five to 600 new people every month, which is wonderful. Wow. Yeah. Um, but engagement is actually dropping, which I'm super surprised by. I just expected engagement to continue going up. But yeah. what's happened is it's the, the experience has become watered down. Yeah. And I can't keep up with it with that many people. And I can't, um, the management and the moderation piece, and also like you want to run good events, you want to publish mm. good content. It's so difficult to keep up with all of those things. Yeah. And um, so I have been asking myself a lot recently, like how would I have done this differently? And I kind of keep coming back to the answer of like, I didn't know this was going to happen. You know, I, so it's like hard to look back and uh, right. think about it differently. We're in the process of of moving to a paid model for the community. Mm. Um, which is a huge change for us. But in some sense, it's like us, it's a super path going back to our roots has like a small, somewhat exclusive community for in-house content marketers. We're still mm. going to try to do some things for freelancers. Actually, our freelance channel, we're going to keep free. So anyone who wants to join it can join it. Yeah. Um, the, you know, the paid stuff is going to be like, you want to talk B2B SaaS content strategy, this is a place for it. You want to talk about how to manage a content team, this is a place for it, that kind of thing. Uh, but I have been wrestling with this a lot because it's it's raised all these questions of like, who is the community really for? Mm. Is it for that persona that we that that I had in mind a couple years ago when I started this thing? Uh, what does the growth tell me about who actually wants to be here? It, you know, should that send us off in a new direction? Um, and uh, yeah, I, I I mean I'm like I'm gaining some clarity on this as we think about this move to a paid, which like I said back to the roots, back to serving that core mm. persona. Um, but I've also spun my wheels quite a bit trying to make everybody happy. And I just like, I'm kind of coming to the conclusion that I can't do it. Not not effectively anyways. That makes that makes sense. I mean, I'm part of the Superpath community. I, I would love, I would, wouldn't mind paying to be part of a smaller group of communities. The, the problem I have with like being part of a large community is like, I get nervous because <laughs> like, oh my goodness, 15,000 yeah. people will see this. I think there's some psychology behind larger groups. I think at a, at there's a tipping point where people don't uh, engage as much because I guess it's more like I'm nervous. Like you're at a big, you're at a big party and should I say something? Should I not? I don't know. I don't know. No, you're people. totally right. You're yeah. totally right. And I think that's part of the challenge we've seen with engagement dropping is that, um, it's become, yeah, kind of intimidating. Another thing that's happened kind of related to that is the initial group that we started with, which probably for the first year or two was like fairly senior content marketers. And like as as the group has grown, it has the kind of average user is more junior. So it kind mm. of went from like the first batch of people, it's like VPs and heads of content, you know, and like now you might get someone who is just trying to get into the content industry for the first time and they, they'll post questions in the, you know, in a channel and say like, yeah, whatever. Whatever the question is, it's like a fairly basic question for a senior yeah. content marketer, but I think it turns off the senior content. Like they're, mm. in some cases, those people want to jump in and help, but they also then feel like it's not a place for them to ask a question. Yeah. And, you know, that's a whole nother thing I've been wrestling with. Ultimately, my conclusion there is like content marketing 101 is well-documented. Um, 
there's lots of great stuff out there on it. Some communities, lots of content has been published, obviously. But for the senior people, there's very little. And the best thing that I think we can do for them is give them a place to converse amongst peers and feel comfortable asking questions that they probably just wouldn't feel comfortable asking in a much larger environment, you know? That that totally makes sense. I see that totally happening. So that um, you know, being connected. Uh and the other super interesting like benefit to a paid community for the for superpath is that now you can kind of weigh uh, the feedback you get because the people who are paying probably have um I'm not sure. This is a hypothesis. Probably have like a stronger, I'm not uh, a valuable opinion than somebody who might not be. Um, that could be a, uh, especially if you're targeting like more senior folks in the in that community rather than in the. In the they might, I guess, you cut down the noise is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, definitely. And there's, uh, it's a different mindset if you're, you know, if you're there paying money, you know, you expect your opinion to be heard. And I honestly, I like, I do my best to listen. Like we ran a survey actually oh, uh, a couple weeks ago that. and I let people know I'm thinking of moving to paid, you know, w- would you pay? Would you pay yeah. uh, 15 right. or $20 a month for this community? And we got a ton of responses. And like, I, I read through every single one. Like I genuinely care what people think. Um, I found that uh, folks who did not want to pay had com- very legitimate reasons for not wanting to pay. And it's not always like, I don't want to pay you 20 bucks. Like there's other reasons that they don't want to pay. Interesting. You know, they want it to be accessible to everyone. You know, yeah. they don't want it to be exclusively for people who can afford it. You know, mm-hmm. they um, feel like the community world is sort of like the, it's like, um, you know, it's sort of like the unbundling of cable. It's like, right. you know, you got to pay for a couple different memberships to get, um, right. you know, to get information in different, like, I totally appreciate that. Yeah. I think it's really interesting. I think of the folks who said they were willing to pay, the thing, the reasons they stated for it were kind of in line with what we've talked about. Smaller, more exclusive, uh, deeper or kind of higher level type conversations. And like, that just gets me more excited at the end of the day. Like I, I want to facilitate that and participate in those more than I do. Um, kind of, you know, what it, like however you want to call it, sort of like more junior level stuff or trying to yeah. cater to too many people. Like, I just don't think I can do it effectively. And I think I'll probably run out of steam on it too. So yeah, that, that's true. That totally makes sense. As well as like, I think, uh, you know, you're, you've invested a lot of your, your time and your resources. Um, and I think focusing on this paid community could be an interesting so that you can do more cool stuff like, uh, you know, mastermind groups or, you know, more, more interesting events or socials. So I think that's uh, super exciting to, to the next generation, the next evolution of uh, a super path, essentially. For sure, for sure. It also creates a funding mechanism for us mm, to invest, re, kind of reinvest in the community, which is going to be really important, I think. We've sold ads within the community, which is a whole other thing. Um, interesting. You know, it's been okay, it's just, but it's been just okay. You know, like, it, it was yeah. an experiment. It was, I would say it's one of those experiments that I'm like, man, it just didn't really pan out like I thought it would. And I think it's possible we work with like very limited number of partners yeah. in, in terms of advertising within the group, but it would be very limited, yeah. um, very targeted. So um, this, this, this will allow us to just do so much more for the community. That's awesome. Well, I want to shift gears and, and talk about career power-ups uh, and really like fi- figure out what's helped you in your career. You've had you know, 
more than a decade of experience, stints as editor-in-chief at QuickBooks, uh, VP of Growth at Animals, and now a co-founder and CEO here at Superpath. Curious, what's a, super, uh, a superpower or a power-up that's helped you accelerate your career? Yeah, the number one thing, I feel like my career was on like a, a fairly steady trajectory for a long time. And then there was a leap. And actually, interestingly, in, in looking at um, the 100K Club series, we make a chart for each person's salary progression, and there's always a leap. You know, like, and we ask one of the questions we ask is, what's the biggest salary jump you've ever made, either through a, a raise, promotion, or a job switch? And the number is usually a big one. You know, it's not, it's not like I got a 10% raise. It's like I got like a $50,000 raise, you know? And, yeah. and the jump that I experienced was joining Animals the second time I worked there in 2018 and we launched a blog. And that was, my job was launch the blog and, and start building this growth engine for animals, which had to date relied primarily on referrals and word of mouth. And that was working, but like, you know, you can't count on it forever and ever. So like, we wanted to build a, a proper growth engine. And the beautiful thing about content marketing is that your work is public, you know? And so I wrote over two years, I wrote maybe 50 blog posts for the animals blog and the blog got fairly popular and helped us bring in a lot of leads and close a lot of deals. But my name was on all the blog posts, you know, mm. and that was, yeah, that was great for me. I mean, it's just like, it helped my career so much. Um, and so the next thing I did was leave to go create Superpath. But like during that time, I like a lot of those folks, you know, they followed me on Twitter or I had a personal newsletter and they signed up for the personal newsletter. And there was this kind of like trickle down of like, a lot of publishing in a prominent place on a subject matter I knew super well. And then as I made this transition to Superpath, a lot of those folks became the early members of Superpath. Um, and that was a huge deal. That was also a job where I had my biggest salary jump. You know, I had my biggest responsibility jump. Um, I kind of like found myself in uncharted waters the most to, you know, like trying to learn how to do things I had never done before. So there was there was kind of a lot wrapped up in there. I think the, the power up, the career power up piece though, is for content marketers specifically, publishing a lot of stuff mm. with deep subject matter expertise in a very public way over a long period of time is a huge power up. Other industries or other other fields, I mean, don't have this sort of public, uh, you know, public track record of all the work that you've done. But in content, you can have that. Your name and face yeah. can be on all of your work. And I think that's a, a really cool thing. That's totally, that's totally cool. Yeah. I mean, publishing quite, quite a, I, I feel like there's another one that's like tied up to what you mentioned around like you were, you mentioned you were out of your, your element, but like that really like helped you kind of grow the most. It's, it's, yeah. It seems like there's another part that I heard there where I guess you took the risk to step away from your comfort zone to actually embrace this, this new role that you might not have experienced before. Absolutely. That's absolutely right. And, and a lot of what I was doing there was sales, which I had never done before. Mm, but it's a small business, you know, like people are chipping in, getting yeah. trying to help everything get done. And, and kind of what happened was sort of writing these like thought leadership style articles on the blog. And then when folks would reach out to inquire about services, they want to know about this type of strategy that I talked about. Yeah. Well, you know what I mean? And so like, like an example would be like, we wrote a blog post about multi-product strategy. So like if you have, if you're a SaaS company, you have multiple products, how do you approach content strategy? Well, we had a bunch of multi-product 
SaaS companies reach out and they wanted to talk about it. And so like I would jump on those calls and we would talk through it. And then I became the sales guy sort of <laughs> accidentally. And I was quite hesitant about it at first right. because I felt like, you know, I've sort of spent 10 years building all my skills in content marketing. Content, I don't, yeah. I'm, and now I'm like beginner salesperson. I don't know, I don't know anything. You know, like if I, if I spend time doing this, am I going to like kind of lose my edge yeah. on the content side or is this going to take me down on some other track I don't want to go down? But it turned out it was awesome mm. because I got to talk so much to the people that we were trying to reach right. with our blog posts. And then I heard all kinds of things in these calls that I was like, oh, this is rich material. Like, <laughs> you know, and that gave us tons of new ideas for blog posts as well. And it just kind of right. became this like nice little, um, this nice little growth circle where it's like, uh, you know, listen to what people say on calls, do some research, write about it. That gets more calls booked, talk That's to so those cool. people, you know what right. I mean? And so that, yeah. and that worked, that worked extremely well. And for me, it was like, the thing I learned wasn't, I don't, I wouldn't say I became an expert salesperson, but I learned how to listen very closely to customers, which is like a core content marketing skill. Yeah. I feel like you, what you just mentioned is now what you're doing at scale as you were about. Yeah, kind of. We, exactly right there like you're actually listening feedback and it, was that the genesis of superpath i'm curious what what the sec like that aha moment where like you know what like me talking to these people what if we did this at scale in the community or was you know that's else? so it's so interesting you say that i've never thought about it that way but it kind of makes perfect sense i mean i started the slack group while i still worked at animals and uh, it was just like a side thing yeah. I had no intentions to ever do anything serious with it. I just wanted a place to talk to peers. And so I made the Slack group. And I guess in, that's so interesting. Yeah, because I guess in some ways it's like I got the same, I got the same satisfaction out of those conversations right. that I did from sales calls, which are just, they're like a little more high pressure, mm -hmm. a little more formal, whereas this was very informal and casual. And yeah, I don't know. Maybe there's something like subconscious there that I've never really thought about that I think you tapped into. That's interesting. I think the other thing that's uh, uh, interesting here is around you wrote a bunch of content that is like, you know, people are looking up to. And when you jumped on the call, I were people starstruck. Like, here's Jamie, Jimmy Daly who wrote this. And probably you, because of that, your close rate uh, for the deals on calls were probably higher than if you weren't on it. Is that like a fair assumption? Honestly, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not really sure. I mean, the thing that I always tried to do with the sales calls was treat them like free consulting. You know what I mean? So right. like, I approached yeah. the call like, hey, look, you know, all I do all day is talk to people who run content programs at SaaS mm. companies. Like, tell me about your problems. I I'll like pull from all of my experience and knowledge of these other customers and try to get you some answers, you know? And I feel like we really tried to lean heavily on the collective experience and knowledge of the company because... It's like you have account managers, you have writers, you have editors, all of them are interacting with customers. There's just so much knowledge to be gained from all of that. And we really tried to like collect all of that stuff. So that's like, if I'm going to get on a sales call, I can pull from as much of that as I possibly can versus like just winging it or, you know, trying to rely only on like my own kind of narrow lane yeah. of expertise. Um, but I, I do believe it helps when the person reads a blog post by a person and then they get on a call and they talk to that same person. I mean, yeah. it just, it just, I don't, I don't have any data on that, but it helps. Well, thank you for sharing that. I guess one final question in terms of giving an advice, but instead of 
to the listener, but to a younger version of you, what would be like one or two piece of advice that if you can send back in time to a younger Jimmy who might be starting out in marketing would uh, would find that very helpful if uh, that Jimmy actually listened and followed that advice? Yeah, that's such a good question. I think one thing I've thought about quite a bit recently is that um, at every different stage of my career, I kind of expected it. I expected it to get easier. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I expected I would get better at marketing and then things would be easier. They would sort of slow down a little bit. Like there's this, I remember a long time ago reading this article in Sports Illustrated about Joe Montana, like San Francisco 49ers quarterback. And I remember him describing, like the some reporter asked him like, you know, you're not the fastest guy on the field. You don't have the strongest arm. Like, why have you, like, what is it about you that uh, has got you four Super Bowl rings? And he said that he sees the field in slow motion. And mm-hmm. I thought that was so fascinating. And like, he was playing the game on easy mode while everyone else was playing yeah. it on hard mode. And I think I expected that as I got better at marketing, that things would slow down and become easier. And that's just never happened because with each new stage comes a new challenge. And it's usually something you haven't done before, or it's happening at a scale you haven't dealt with before, or there's more people involved, or for whatever reason, it's different. You know what I mean? So I think that like when I was 25 and then 28 and then 30, I sort of always felt like I was on the cusp of reaching this level of expertise where stuff would just flow a little more easily. And that's just not the case. (laughs) You know, Um, Superpath is like, really proven that to be wrong. It's just like, it's always something new that I haven't done that's harder than the last thing. Um, cool. And I feel like maybe the, the thing I would have told myself is like, it's not going to get easier and that's okay. Like that's sort of, mm. that part of the journey is like, yeah, just embrace the challenges. You'll get smarter and wiser. It won't get easier, but you'll be better at it, you know? Um, and other things, there will be other benefits, right? Like the better at, the better you are yeah. at it, um, the more you get to focus on what you like to do or the more money that you make or the, you know, the more flexibility you have in your schedule mm. or kind of these other things that are really become super important. Like you don't really actually want it to be easy. You know, you want autonomy and flexibility right. and control and money and whatever other the things are. So I think that, um, yeah, I think about that a lot, a lot now. Um, I think my younger self probably would have benefited from that knowledge. That's so good. I feel like that's uh, something that a lot of people need to hear, especially early on, I guess, like, maybe it was just me where like I'm trying to rush myself to get to that point where like everything becomes easy and like that undue pressure causes more pressure on top of everything else. Totally. Uh, That's that's so true that like, yeah, you feel like, why isn't this easier? (laughs) You Mm. know, or why isn't it? Should I work harder to make it easier? Or like, should I work more hours or do this or that? And yeah, that causes more problems. Totally. You know, interestingly, tying this back to the 100K Club, a lot of folks talk about like hitting moments of frustration and then breakthroughs. And I think that's probably mm. important too, because like when you're in that mode of like, I'm almost there, I'm almost there, like you actually might be, you know, but the breakthrough probably isn't that anything's easier, but it could be mm. a career breakthrough, a new role, a better company yeah. to work at, better benefits, more money or whatever. If you enjoyed this episode, you'd love the Marketing Power-Ups newsletter. I share the actionable takeaways and break down the frameworks of world-class marketers. Go to marketingpowerups.com to subscribe and you'll instantly unlock the three best frameworks that top marketers use to hit their KPIs consistently and wow their colleagues. I want to say thank you to you for listening and please like and follow Marketing Powerups on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. If you're feeling extra generous, kindly leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify 
leave a comment on YouTube. Goes a long way in others finding out about marketing ops. Thanks to Mary Sullivan for creating the artwork and design. And thank you to Faisal Kaigo for editing the intro video. And of course, thank you for listening. That's all for now. Have a powered update. Marketing Power Ups. Until the next episode. <laughs>